The Guardian. This week on The Guardian Audio Edition, the Norwegian prison where inmates are treated like people. A day at Gladstone Primary, the school where they speak 20 languages. And in our audiobook review, we explore the world of work with Dave Egger's latest novel, A Hologram for the King, and Oliver James's examination of duplicity and double dealing, Office Politics. To subscribe for free to The Guardian Audio Edition, go to audible.co.uk forward slash guardian or find us on SoundCloud, iTunes and Audioboo. The Guardian Audio Edition, a new way to get the whole picture. Hello and welcome to the colourful world of magic, mystery and illusion that is better known as the Guardian Film Show. Please note that you don't need a tornado or a hot air balloon or prescription medicine to join this party. The land of Oz is right here and possibly here. Crash landing on this week's show, Rooney Mara pops one pill too many in the Steven Soderbergh thriller Side Effects. Tim Roth finds trouble in suburbia in the British drama Broken and Frank Langella takes second billing to an android butler in the family comedy Robot and Frank. But we begin with Oz the Great and Powerful. This is Sam Raimi's star-stuffed 3D Hollywood extravaganza, all played out in a time before Dorothy. We sent Andrew Pulver down to meet Raimi, the wizardish James Franco, and the nicely witchy Michelle Williams. Step this way! See the most wondrous sights imaginable! Kansas is full of good men. I don't want to be a good man. I want to be a great one. The Wizard of Oz is such a great classic and so beloved by so many millions of people that it's hard to think about doing a prequel to it. But really, when you think about it, it's L. Frank Baum's work, which is the source material. And not that he's Shakespeare, but it would have been wrong to stop playing Macbeth after a performance in the year 1722 because it was so brilliant. The work is there to be interpreted and interpreted again. It's really fine material and it should be, in my opinion, refreshed and brought to a new generation of filmgoers. Am I dreaming? You're in Oz. All the spectacle is not is not more important than working with the actors, working on the narrative, working on the story, working on the human level. And so the way he balances those two sides is masterful. And you can look at any Raimi movie and you'll see that you get both in equal measure. What I love so much about his work is that there's always a kind of, there's a handmade quality to it. There's something about it that feels like a little earthy, a little raw, kind of like this the seams show a little bit, and I've always, and I really like that. Even in a big movie like this, I still feel like there's something kind of, um, it's very like Americana, and I like that. We're gonna find this wicked witch, steal her wand, I'll get that big pile of gold, and you can have a nice pile of bananas, all right? Bananas. Oh, I see, because I'm a monkey, I must love bananas, right? That is a vicious stereotype. You don't like bananas? Of course I love bananas, I'm a monkey, don't be ridiculous, I just don't like you saying it. We're joined back in Kansas now by The Guardian's Andrew Pulver and film critic Peter Bradshaw. Peter, how great and powerful was this for you? I thought it was reasonably great, reasonably powerful. There's something about that L. Frank Baum world of Oz, which I find 
fascinating and strange for about five minutes, but then there's something about it which also becomes very claustrophobic, and, and I just wanted to stop. I, want to, I find it almost airless. I can't breathe in that world. But it has to be said, I found it very boisterous and interesting, and I, I kind of like James Franco, actually. I thought he was kind of well cast. I mean, I lots of people, I would imagine, will just find that he rubs them up the wrong way. Well, he's supposed to be irritating. Yeah, he is this. supposed to, and I, th I think he's... I think he's irritating in the right way. I think he's irritating in, in, a, in a very shrewdly judged way. I think, as it were, Robert Downey Jr. wouldn't have been right. And I think James Racco kind of is right. I, I'm not sure I can recommend it any further than that, though, because, as I say, I just found myself clawing up my clothes after a while because I just can't breathe in that world. I can't breathe. And it is quite a long movie at 130 minutes. Andrew, did you run wild in Oz, free-spirited and, and barefoot? Um, you know, spiritually, maybe. Um, I, th um, I mean, my, my sort of take on it is that it is, is very much in the tradition of the sort of modern CGI blockbuster, and that's how that's what Raimi has sort of been doing for the last few years, and he, and he does a massive number on this as well. Um, I, I feel slightly differently towards the sort of Oz thing than Peter does. I mean, I, I, I always found that, that the sort of status of The Wizard of Oz as a, this kind of modern classic, I find it a bit strange in that the actual story itself, I, th I think is very odd, very eccentric, and, 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 and its status is very little to do with its story. It's more to do with the way people feel about, you know, the young Judy Garland, and yeah. it's the film itself, and other, other great iconic classics tend to have much more to do with history or politics than, you know, Casablanca or It's a Wonderful Life or whatever than, 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 well, than this film does. It's a fantasy spun out of the Great Depression, isn't it? And Absol the Dust Bowl and, and all of that. So all of that Absolutely. is kind of noises off. There's, yeah. that, that gives it some kind of well, that, That's anchoring. its context, but, it's, but just in terms of itself, I, I personally find it quite difficult to sort of love the story of the original and, and of this. I, it just seems a bit sort of random and just sort of some guy muttering in the it dark. Is you know? It is and, weird. It is very weird. So that's why I, I sort of find the idea of making a sort of prequel of it now slightly sort of baffling. It it's also shows the sort of indification of the blockbuster more than ever. You know, all the cast in it are people who, who you know, five years ago, you never see anywhere near a film like this. Mm. And, and I think it's been a deliberate decision to sort of pick these sort of non-blockbuster people to play these roles and um, you know particularly Michelle Williams who was sort of last film I saw her in was Meeks Cutoff or something you know I suppose the my, my week with Marilyn as well mm. um, and um, you know Franco could take you know he spends all half his time doing this sort of um, arts project films which of dubious sort of success. So, <laughs> so um, did the the unnervingly sexy indie witches do it for you? I'm not sure what to think about that. There is a kind of political correctness debate to be had, really, about this movie. The, 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 the dodgy witches, the questionable witches, they get to be the exotic ones. They're Mila Kunis and Rachel Weisz. They look dark and European and, and, European and dodgy, whereas it's wholesome, corn-fed, blonde Michelle Williams, who's Glinda, the good witch. Again, though, that's taking its lead from the 1939 film. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I could have done with less of a lead from the world, the happy world of 1939. <laughs> of to, Jim Crow. To be quite honest with you, yeah. And the other, the other thing that Oz, the great and powerful, didn't try to do, of course, as Andrew has hinted at, is music. Uh, I mean, so much of what is so powerful about The Wizard of Oz is, is the music, is, the, is those classic songs, whereas they don't even, really, that's not even, not even attempted. That's nothing to do with it. And that's part of what makes it quite a weird experience, is you just get to focus on this weird and, for me, slightly oppressive world of, of Oz. We now 
now drop the curtain on Oz the Great and Powerful and move on to Side Effects, which is reputedly the very last feature film that Steven Soderbergh will ever make. Although, I seem to recall he said that before. Dr. Rings, I really need to talk to you. Emily. Yeah, I just got your message. I'm with my wife. I went to your office, but you weren't there. So I came here and, um, could we just go talk? Big Pharma has the run of the house in side effects, a jolting thriller about the highs and lows of prescription drugs. Rooney Mara is the brittle wife of a disgraced Wall Street tycoon who is furnished with a miracle cure by Jude Law's plausible psychiatrist. The small print points to a whole world of nightmares. I just need five minutes. You're going to get to work after. OK, five minutes. OK. I'm sorry. Call me after the interview. Andrew, if we're taking Soderbergh at his word here, is he going out on a high? I think this film is pretty good. Um, I found it surprisingly entertaining. Um, it's sort of difficult to talk what it's about because, you know, if you, if you start trying to describe the plot or a analyse the plot, then you sort of give away some of the, the twists and turns of it. Um, it is attempting to be a sort of contemporised noir set in the... In, in, in the sort of pharmaceutical industry using sort of all those sort of conflicts of interest where people who are sort of prescribing drugs also sort of being paid to endorse drugs. Um, and um, the one thing I could say about it that I was, um, I found sort of quite odd was the, the sort of pre-release hype has always been about this sort of, psych this, this kind of psychiatric thing about hallucinations and, and, and um, and sort of the madness of pe inside people's minds. And I expected a lot more hallucinatory work within the film. And, and again, without wanting to give too much away, it actually turned out to be quite non-hallucinatory. It just turned out to be actually quite a plain, straightforward, twisty thriller. Peter, it reminded me a little bit of Hitchcock or Henri Georges Clouseau. Yeah. And yet it's very much a film for how we're living now, isn't it? I found, yes. I have to say, I, I loved it. I, I thought that all those things that everybody says about Soderbergh, that, he, that he's a kind of magpie, he can flit from genre to genre. This is a film where suddenly, for me, it all came together, particularly his absolutely inspired visual sense as his own cinematographer, Peter Andrews, working with this state-of-the-art digital cameras that he recently talked about in the, in the movie uh, Side by Side. Mm. Every single shot looked it looked exquisite to me. It looked brilliant. Pin-sharp digital work, and it looked disturbing. Even banal shots of a bar or, or a subway platform, they all looked absolutely grippingly strange. Mm. Rooney Mara, yes, I mean, a star is born. She's, been, she's always getting born, Rooney Mara, as a star. I mean, I've lost count of the people saying, this Rooney Mara, isn't she great? I think she really is great now. She absolutely kills it in this mm. thing. She absolutely is brilliant, like a kind of Marnie figure. Yeah. Or, or maybe a little like uh, Mia Farrow yeah. in Rosemary's Simultaneously Baby. the victim and possibly yes, dangerous. Yes, sort of the, the agent, passive at the same time with this strange recessed world that something very strange is going on inside her mind, which has been unlocked by these pills that Jude Law is giving her. Again, I thought Jude mm. Law, terrific it's performance. Great uh, Great stuff, the best since Mr. Ripley. Um, exactly right as this bland, rather conceited psychiatrist. Uh, uh, with, he's uh, just vain enough, just greedy enough to be precisely the wrong person to be treating uh, Rooney Mara's distroubled young woman. Absolutely superb playoff between, between the two of them. 
I don't know what it was. I think it's kind of his masterpiece. What's the deal with Soderbergh saying that he's he's finishing up? He's just had enough, or is he, is really he don't teasing know. us again? I, I don't know. I think he is certainly very exhausted. I think he is physically very exhausted with the process. As you say, I mean, he's, he's still a young man. He's, I think he's only 50 years old, so he's still in his prime. But he's exhausted with the process of independent filmmaking, when you are literally having to do the heavy lifting yourself, uh, which he has been doing to a quite extraordinary amount of time. I think physically uh, and sort of spiritually, you do get exhausted. And I think he is exhausted as well as disillusioned. Resign from the case, step off. I can't do that. But who can see the lies? That's why I have to make this work. It was the Oblixa. I would never be here if it weren't for that. I have to prove everything. Rooney Mara loaded and dangerous in side effects. And while Soderbergh possibly heads towards the exit door, another filmmaker steps up to the plate. Rufus Norris is an award-winning British theatre director who has now stepped behind the camera for Broken. And this is what it looks like. Oh, sir. What can I do for you? I was wondering if we could have a little chat. Chat. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. The cul-de-sac becomes a cauldron of neighbourly tensions and bubbling violence in Broken. These characters are bouncing off each other, all set to explode. Eloise Lawrence gives a great performance as our tour guide through the wreckage, while the supporting cast is rounded out by Tim Roth, Killian Murphy and Rory Kinnear. Yeah, fuck off, watch What I wanted to ask you was um, if you could ask your girls to give the Buckleys a break. They've been having a tough time of it lately. Are they? Yeah. That's really awful. Peter, a huge amount of praise for Broken, and yet I sense you're not quite joining the chorus. There's an awful lot going on in this movie. Uh, the movie could have gone could have gone ahead with about two or three of the many strands, plot strands it has. I thought it was desperately self-conscious and strained, mm. and it uses violence as a shortcut to emotional truth, I felt. I felt there was obviously there's this equation, violence equals emotional truth, violence equals drama, and I, I'm afraid I didn't, I, I didn't buy it. I didn't buy it. There's interesting things in it. It's, it's very well shot uh, and a lovely performance from Eloise Lawrence, but I'm afraid I, I still don't buy it. I think I do share a lot of your reservations. I mean, for a film that is about the way real people live in the real England, there's something yes. to be applauded in that, and yet at times it felt as contrived and machine-tooled as a sort of high-concept Hollywood film. I felt it utterly contrived. I found it utterly contrived. As I say, it was just overloaded with all this stuff. It was, frankly, rather preposterous, especially the emotional crises at the end. I found entirely preposterous. But as I say, I, I feel bad at saying that because it's, it's a well-made film. Mm. It is, it's, its sincerity uh, and its commitment sort of shines out of every frame in a way. And Rufus Norris isn't a fool. He, he's a, he's a, obviously a very talented guy. And that's been shown in, in the success that this movie's had. But I couldn't... I couldn't see it as comparable to, to Andrew Arnold no. or all these people that be try that it clearly inspired by or has taken something I imagine from movies like Tyrannosaur and Red Road and, people, and things like that. But those movies had a simplicity and a clarity that this movie, for me, I have to say, for me, it doesn't it doesn't quite have. 
Andrew, are you able to show us the light on this? I, I do feel that, that there is some, some great stuff in here, and yet it, it didn't quite cohere for me. Yeah, I mean, I don't want, want the, the people involved in it to think we're ganging up on it, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of in a not dissimilar position to Peter, where, um, you know, it's a classic curate's egg, there's lots of good things in it, but the whole sort of doesn't, doesn't really work for me. I mean, I, I sort of feel one of the big problems when you're watching it is, is that there's about... There's these baffling switches of tone, you know, from minute to minutes. You know, at one minute, at one point you're in a Mike Lee film, at another point you're in an Andrew Arnold film, and suddenly some enormous explosion of violence where somebody gets their head kicked in, yeah. really, really, really nastily, well. really nastily, really nastily. And then suddenly you're back with sort of Tim Roth, brilliantly acted, sort of a very sort of low-key, weary naturalism. Um, man worried about his daughter and then suddenly somebody else sort of gets the baseball bat in the face and yeah. you know it, and it's kind it, of astonishing really. and just, although although there's no rules to say you can't you know because i have to say you know you, you applaud well, the some of the great films do ambition. jump yeah like absolutely you know it's, it's a very ambitious film but the problem for me is is that all these sort of plot all, all these sort of strands kind of cancelled each other out trying to be my girlfriend all right are you in love why can I, of course? Then why aren't you married yet? <laughs> Rufus Norris is broken there. And finally, some good news for all those people who watched the earlier segment on Oz and thought, yeah, but where's the Tin Man? I'm not watching that rubbish. It hasn't got the Tin Man in it. Turn it off. Turn it off. To those people, we can say, relax, it's okay. We've found the Tin Man. I hate hikes. Goddamn bugs. You see one tree, you see them all. I just hate hikes. While my program's goal is to improve your health, I'm able to adapt my methods. Would you prefer another form of moderate exercise? Robot and Frank stars the great Frank Langella as a retired cat burglar parceled off to rot in sylvan New England, his memory fading, his crimes behind him. But wait a second, because here comes a robot butler. Frank needs help with the garden and help with the cooking, but what he really wants is a partner in crime. Well, we're going to walk. We might as well make it worthwhile. Come on, keep up. Andrew, would you like a robot butler all of your own? Got to say, it, it definitely appeals. This film, I, 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 I was sort of mildly amused by it. Catherine, who unfortunately isn't here, obviously, I'd much, much rather she was. Um, she really loved this film. I remember her sort of going on about it I for a long time. I think she liked Langella yeah. as much as yeah. the film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I found it sort of mildly amusing, wry, you know, sort of funny. Um, something, though, basically very old-fashioned about it. I mean, I always think robot buddy movies are very 80s. I remember that one, was it called Daryl or something like that? You know, where, those, where you know, some kid kind of find, finds a little robot to be his pal. Uh, and there's sort of, quite, you know, there's definitely something of that in here, except it's sort of married with the sort of current Amour-type, sort of older person sinking into dementia type movie which is obviously a very now theme you know so um, you think it's the only thing missing from a more yeah. was the robot butler <laughs> yeah. well it would have enlivened it a bit wouldn't it i suppose peter it's a very slight film but that needn't necessarily be a bad thing no i i liked it uh, i think it's it's interesting because it's not readily classifiable it's sort of sci-fi-ish a bit it's slightly satirical it's a bit of a tearjerker a little bit of a heart warmer it all comes together. It doesn't deliver the killer punch at any stage. It just sort of drifts in and out of our consciousness a bit. I quite like the idea of this small robot. How on earth 
is the robot helping him? He's, he can't, obviously can't reach up to the, the cupboards with the plates and the mugs. You see them in one shot. You think, he is tall enough to reach these things. The robot isn't. How is this working? How on earth is this robot of any use to him? Maybe he's well, got retractable legs. Yeah, I suppose so. Are uh, you being distracted I'm, a little I'm, bit here? Is this you couldn't get beyond the, I can't get beyond the height the, issue? Yeah, because there is something absurd about it. Because it isn't, it's, it's a futurist idea which belongs, as Andrew says, to the past. The idea of, wow, a robot that helps you. <laughs> that would be of zero, zero use to you uh, compared to the real uh, labour-saving devices like microwave ovens and dishwashers, which you actually have now. You don't need some robot going, yes, master. Putting the pan yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, the pan. It's ridiculous. But I did quite enjoy it. I did quite enjoy it. It's, it's a very soft-scented film. It's unusual. It's just unusual enough to hold your attention. Anything less unusual with its sort of quirkiness would, I think it wouldn't, you wouldn't be, get any mental traction on it at all. But I did enjoy it. Are you two enjoying the party? I'm functioning normally. As am I. Why don't you mingle together? I had no functions or tasks that require a verbal interaction with the VGC-60L. Mr. Darcy, that is so rude. So when all humans are extinct, you're not going to start a robot society? I don't understand, Frank. Well, why don't you pretend that Mr. Darcy is a human being like me and start up a conversation? Hi there. How are you doing? I'm functioning normally. As am I. Android antics in Robot and Frank, and sooner or later we all get upstaged by the robot. That's it from The Guardian Film Show. My thanks to Peter Bradshaw and Andrew Pulver. We'll see you next week. This week on the Guardian Audio Edition, the Norwegian prison where inmates are treated like people. A day at Gladstone Primary, the school where they speak 20 languages. And in our audiobook review, we explore the world of work with Dave Egger's latest novel, A Hologram for the King, and Oliver James's examination of duplicity and double dealing, Office Politics. To subscribe for free to the Guardian Audio Edition, go to audible.co.uk forward slash guardian or find us on SoundCloud, iTunes and Audioboo. The Guardian Audio Edition, a new way to get the whole picture. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.